Amen, amen, amen. Amen. We are so glad to have each of you here. You may be seated for a moment. We welcome you to High Point Church. So glad you have chosen to worship with us here this morning. Wow, what an outstanding adult Bible class we had this morning. Brother David, excellent job. As always, appreciate it. Outstanding. And I uh, want to welcome Megan home from spring break. She's been gone a couple weeks. Welcome back. So good to have you here back with us this morning. Wow, Brother Burrell, thank you for Wednesday night. I've heard nothing but rave reviews about Wednesday night's Bible study. God bless you, my friend. Thank you so much. Minister Burrell. And uh, appreciate that. And uh, you'll be hearing more from him as time goes. And uh, we appreciate the ministry of Brother Burrell. He's just been a faithful warrior here at High Point Church. Again, we remind you of next Sunday. It's fifth Sunday service. Invite someone to come out, and we'll have a, we'll have a great time. I, I want to share something with you, and I want you to receive this in the spirit in which it is intended. And... Um, I want to share this with you based on, I want to use this analogy to illustrate God's grace and His glory, His omnipotent power and mercy. I started out last Sunday morning, or Sunday afternoon after service. I left Florida and drove to my job site, which is nearly 400 miles from here. Spent two days there. I was summoned to Atlanta, well, actually to Marietta. Drove there Wednesday morning. Back to my job site on Wednesday evening for a meeting I had on Thursday morning. I left early Friday morning to return home. On my way home, I received a phone call from our office between uh, Lake City and Pensacola that I needed to route my journey through there they had an invoicing issue that only I could solve to the tune of $100,000. So I drove nearly to Pensacola. Then, late afternoon, I got to come home. By the time I got home Friday evening, I had put a little over 2,000 miles on my company truck. And then yesterday afternoon, the lovely and gracious wife and I drove to, went to Naples and back. You can call me Pastor Road, Road Warrior. <laughs> no, you don't, don't worry about that. I was glad to do it. But you know, in all of that, and I said all that to tell you this, that's a lot of driving. Not one time was there a close call. Not one time did His mercy fail. I stand before you this morning feeling great. Now, I am feeling my age this morning of 40, but... I jest, of course. But His mercy never ceases to amaze me. I, we sang that chorus a little while ago, He means more than all the world to me. He's the dearest friend I have ever known. The miles I spend running up and down the road and the only one in that automobile is He and I. He's never forsaken me. 
He's been my constant friend and a constant companion. So by His grace and by His mercy, I'll take off this afternoon and start that again. Would you stand with me? If you'll give me a few moments this morning, I have a message on my heart that I want to share with each of you today. There comes a time when we must let it go. I invite your attention to Isaiah chapter 43. I want to read verses 16 through 19 before I preach for a few moments. Look at your neighbor and tell him we've got to let it go. We've got to let it go. Isaiah penned these words to Israel which are applicable for us today. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power, they shall lie down together, they shall not rise. They are extinguished, they are quenched like a wick. Do not remember, listen to me now, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing, now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall bring, spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness and your mercy that never ceases to amaze me. I thank you for your help, for your strength, for your guidance and for your deliverance. Lord, as we stand before you today to minister from your word, I pray that you'll anoint these lips and this mind and this vessel that we might present this today through the power and presence of your Holy Spirit and that each one might receive it as well through the presence and power of your Holy Spirit. I ask in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. amen. Look at the one next to you again and tell them you must let it go. And you may be seated. Let me, let me ask you this question as we venture into the word of the Lord this morning. What do you do when your memory drags the there and then into the here and the now? Immersing you in the same old pain. Everybody besides me ever have that happen? When your memory drags the there and the then into the here and the now. Oh boy. Sometimes it's a daily struggle to fight off all the bombardments that the mind and the memory brings back of mistakes and shortcomings and failures and faults and all the things we should have done that we didn't do. And Amen? 
The Word of the Lord tells us that I just read to you, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing, now it shall spring up. Do you not perceive it? And that sounds good, doesn't it? But it's surely not as easy as it sounds. You see, our past can infect our present and influence our future unless we decide to let it go. And I'm going to tell you, there's times I have trouble letting it go. For the next few minutes, I want you to think about that. Our past can infect our present and influence our future unless we decide to let it go. The first thing that we must let go of is what the Lord Jesus has forgiven. Amen. God's only response to confess sin is to forgive and forget it. Amen. If it comes up again, either you or the adversary, not God, has brought it up. Remember what the Apostle John wrote in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? Look it up this week. It's in there. Amen. Now, there's a couple of things that makes letting go somewhat difficult. I'll, I'll admit to that. I'll confess. First of all, it's our feelings. But, oh boy, has our society ever got hung up on how we feel? I have had individuals tell me down through the years, I just don't feel forgiven. I made a mistake. I prayed about it. And I asked God to forgive me, but I just... Don't feel forgiven. Remember this. We are forgiven through the grace of God and the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, regardless of our emotions. If we have truly brought it to Him and we've confessed it and we've acknowledged our sin, and we've asked Him to put it under the blood, it's under the blood. Amen. It's under the blood. Amen. So don't wait to feel it before you accept it. If you've truly and honestly come and repented and you confess it, accept it, and you'll begin to feel it somewhere down the road. Amen. The second thing that makes it uh, uh, difficult to let go is this. A wrong concept of God. It's often said, no doubt you have experienced this somewhere along in your life that this one or that one says, you know, they have forgiven me, but each time I fail and I make another mistake, my old offenses are thrown up in my face. You ever have that happen? Well, you've done that 20 years ago. We had the same problem with you. You see, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ does not operate that way. Remember this passage. Isaiah 43 and 25, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Amen. You see, God doesn't bring them up because he doesn't remember them. 
Once you've given them to Him and you've repented and you've confessed your sins and you've placed them under the blood, He doesn't bring them up anymore. Amen. Once confessed, you'll never again be charged with them. All of our sins were judged and paid for at Calvary. Amen. By the efficacious blood of Jesus Christ, all of the shortcomings, all of the failures. I know we like to call them shortcomings and idiosyncrasies, when in fact it's sin. Amen. Amen. Once confessed, you'll never again be charged with them. So rejoice, my friends, and just let them go. Oh, it's easy for you to say, preacher, I know. Just let them go. The court of heaven has ruled you not guilty. But how often do we allow the past and the mistakes and the shortcomings and the omissions of the past haunt us till they drive us mad? When Joseph's son Manasseh was born, he made this statement. Y'all remember Joseph. I'll talk a little bit more in detail about him in just a moment. I'm not going to get into the entire details of his life and story, but... As he stood there and he observed his son Manasseh, you know how it is with a new father and a newborn, you know, his buttons are about to pop off his vest. And, Joseph's got a new son here, someone, you know, my goodness. He says this in Genesis 41 and 51, For God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. Hmm, powerful. For God has made me forget. As he looked at his son and he observed Manasseh, he said, for my God has made me forget all the toil and all my father's house. Now the second thing I want to mention as it relates to letting go is this. Let go of what others have done to you. Oh, there's a tough one for us. There is one right there that just eats our lunch. Letting go of what others have done to us. We think we have. Until something comes along and kind of slips through our mind and brings it all up in focus again. We really haven't let it go. Amen? You see, nearly every week I buy my wife, bring my wife roses home when I come home on Fridays. That doesn't make me anything special. I just like to do that because she loves flowers. But I've noticed every, every dozen roses I buy has thorns. I, they always do. They're beautiful. I love the smell of them. And I can always tell if they're good and they're fresh by the aroma. I'm, I'm the goofy guy that stands there in the floor shop. I'm smelling all the roses. I want this one right here. And they look at you like, I just I want those right there. <laughs> and they always come with thorns. And the reality of it is, I said that to say this, and hurts come with human relationships. Amen. Amen. If you're in a human relationship very long, you're going to get hurt. And few hurts go as deeply as those inflicted by friends and family. In fact, we can ask Joseph. One day you'll be able to stand face to face with Joseph and ask him, Hey, buddy, how did it feel when your brothers betrayed you? 
He was sold out by his brothers, locked up in a foreign prison for a crime he never committed. You talk about a rough road. It's the stuff that bitterness, depression, despair, and defeat are made of. Oh boy, you talk about, you could get ready feeling sorry for yourself down there in that Egyptian prison, in that jail, and you didn't do a thing wrong. And who would have blamed Joseph if he would become bitter and depressed and, and, and found himself in despair? However, Joseph knew that he, not his abusers, had the last word. And that he, not they, would decide his future. He made up his mind, as bad as it hurts me, as bad as it has uh, you know, injured my ego, I'm not going to let it destroy me. God has a plan. Amen? You see, it's not what they do to you that determines your outcomes. It's what you do next. Joseph decided to let the offenses go and accept responsibility for his own reactions. How do you react to those things? When we do that, we take back our power, we open ourselves to new options, and we make choices that position us to come out of it even stronger, wiser, and more blessed. Amen? I want you to notice something here. Joseph saw it from God's perspective. That's important for you and I, that we see things from God's perspective. We often look at things through the, through the, through the human eyes, through the, through the human prism, if you will. But Joseph saw it through God's prism, through his eyes. Because the Bible says this in Genesis 45, 7 and 8, God sent me before you to, prefer, to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. He wouldn't even acknowledge the fact that his brother's done it. He would not even entertain the idea that his brothers were responsible for him being in Egypt. He wouldn't even acknowledge that. They were scoundrels. But he said, God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you. This is what he's telling his brothers. It is not you who sent me here, but God. Amen? I want you to also notice that he released his resentment. He moved beyond it. He ministered to the needs of those who had heard him. He provided for them. Amen? He refused to become a victim of other people's actions. As a result... God made him the ruler over all of Egypt. The third thing I want you to notice is Joseph, in his prophetic and administrative gifts, even though he used them, even though he excelled in his ministering his prophetic gifts, even though he was in prison, prison didn't stop him from God using him. So my friends, choose to see it God's way. Let it go. Do what you've been called to do and watch God vindicate you royally. Amen? The third thing that I want us to observe here is that you need to let go of what you've done to others. Well, now, wait. I've never done anything to anybody. Oh, really? 
Well, give the Holy Spirit enough time and it will direct you on what you might have done. I know that statement kind of raises a few eyebrows. Let go of what you've done to others. The wounds we've inflicted on others can weigh us down like a ton of weight. That is, if we have any kind of a conscience at all. Amen? The drunk driving accident, the family shattered by divorce, the child abused in anger, the abortion, uh, a following an affair, the faithful partner infected by HIV. We have all these types of scenarios in the church today. We can't wound others and remain whole ourselves, so the, the ghost of our failures past dogs our days so many times. I talk to so many people that live this kind of a mindset. So someone will ask, well, how do I live with the things I've done? How do I? Consider this. Saul of Tarshish, who became Paul, the apostle, man with a record. The Bible tells us in Galatians 1 and 13 and 14, and this was Paul's own admission. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism. How I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism above beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. His own admission. Paul said, I was a scoundrel. I was out to do some folks some harm. Paul had torn believers from their families, leaving them traumatized, leaving them with traumatized children, watching their parents carried off to floggings and beatings and imprisonments and death. Amen? Now a convert to Christianity and a preacher of the gospel, he gets to meet the widows. And the orphans in the churches that he once persecuted. Now, well, I never thought about it that way, Pastor. Oh, we need to. He had to go face some of those individuals that he wrought unbelievable things on prior to his conversion. How do you deal with that? How do you look at someone, uh, some widow in the face? That you knew you were responsible for the signatured letter that put him to death. <laughs> you see, a crucial decision faced Paul. He could shoulder the guilt until it broke him and perhaps even made him an addict or a, or a, su a suicidal wreck of some kind. Or he could roll it onto the shoulders of the Christ that he met on the road to Damascus. And it's our choice as well. We can either have the things that we've done to others wreck and ruin us and destroy us mentally, sociologically, whatever, or we can allow it to be carried on the shoulders of the Christ of Calvary. It's our choice. And let me tell you, my friend, he has shoulders big enough to carry it and for you and I to walk away free. Amen. He is, I heard here this morning, he that the Spirit has set free is free indeed. 
I, I can't even begin. I can't wrap my mind around what, what must have gone through Paul's mind on occasion when he would run into someone that he was responsible for them getting scorched. The halfway point of death. Beaten with rods, whatever. But he did. Paul writing to the Roman church cried out in Romans 7.24, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? He said in another place a little bit earlier than that, in a few verses he said, you know, he, he talked about his flesh. He said that in my flesh there no good thing. Then he answers immediately following this by declaring, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. As the result, and the result as he related it to Timothy is 1 Timothy 1 and 13, Although I was, a, I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly, in unbelief. We can obtain mercy. We can obtain mercy. You see, today that same mercy is ours for the taking. Make amends where it's possible. Oh yeah, make amends where it's possible. Trust God to heal the hurt you've caused and let it go. You'll never accomplish what God has intended for you and I individually, collectively as this church. We'll never get it accomplished if we continue to hold on to things of the past. The fourth thing is this. This is a tough one, so you better buckle up. We must let go of what we've failed to accomplish. How many of you think you've accomplished everything you've wanted to in your lifetime thus far? I'm glad nobody raised their hand because I was going to go sit down and let you get up here. You can just finish off with my notes. I assure you, I haven't accomplished a, a fraction of what I would have hoped to in my lifetime preaching the gospel. Oh, how many times have we said or we've heard someone say, oh, if I could just go back, I'd do this or I'd do... Some of y'all think I've read your mail, don't you? <laughs> if I could just go back, I'd, oh, I would I would have said, I'd have done, oh, I'd have changed, I'd have done this instead. But the thing is, you can't go back. The poet said, the saddest words of tongue or pen are these, we hear, it might have been. The saddest words of tongue or pen are these, we hear, it might have been. You see, not a one of us escapes the long shadow of opportunities missed. Oh, yes. Not a one of us. The fact of the matter is we have failed more frequently by what we didn't do 
than by what we did do. In other words, we have, we, we have been more guilty of sin, of omission, than we have of commission. Hallelujah. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling younger than my age now. Oh, there's been times we could have helped and we didn't. There's been times we could have healed and we didn't. There's been times we could have blessed and we didn't. Oh, I know it's just so brutally honest. I just there, There's been times that we could have changed things for the better, but, but we didn't. Amen? And but by pursuing our own interests, we left words of love and gratitude unspoken. How many times have you felt that urge to just go tell someone how much you appreciate them and love them and you let something distract you and you didn't do that? And then you've gone back later on and said, oh, if I would have only. Amen? Oh, yes, we, we, we've left words of love and gratitude unspoken. Avoiding unwanted consequences, we left awkward truth unacknowledged. Mm-hmm. We've, we, we've, we've evaded the label of religious nut. Our witness, you know, to evade that label, are oftentimes our witness has remained mute. Hmm, go like this. You know, someone down away from us at work has opened the door of opportunity for us to tell them how wonderful and magnificent our God and Savior is. And because somewhere in our flesh and in our human concept, we, we deal with the idea that if I say anything, I know what I should tell them, but if I say anything, they're going to brand me. They're going to they're they're label me as one of those religious people, one of those religious nuts. They... If I get too carried away, they might even call me a holy roller. Oh, we can't have that. A responsibility unfulfilled, a decision sidestepped, an aging parent neglected, a child crowded out, a spouse excluded. Oh, how different my life could have been if I'd have pursued my education. Oh, how many times have we heard that? Oh, how my different my life would have been if I had just accepted that promotion. Or how different my life would have been if I had made that investment. Well, it might have been some time ago. It's probably not too wise right now. My 401k is going belly up, and I don't know if it will ever get set right up again. Oh, how... What, how different life would have been if I'd have just taken a... Oh, yeah, young folks, listen to this. How different life would have been if I'd just taken a chance on love? <laughs> Careful taking chances on love. That's, a, that's another message anyway. <clears throat> you see, when the door is closed, the person's gone and the opportunity passed. It's time letting it go you can't go back and change that 
There's no need to let it haunt you. It's time to put it under the blood and leave it there because it'll mess with your head. It's important to understand, and I'm preparing to close, the same cross that cancels our sins of commission also cancels our sins of omission. The same blood that covers a sin of commission is the same blood that covers a sin of omission. And if you're wondering, well, Pastor, what are you talking about sin of omission? What does that mean? That means not doing the things that you know you should do. Whether it be ministry, whether it be helping someone else, whether it be whatever it might be. Confession, not remorse, brings God's forgiveness and cleansing from all sin. Listen to me now. I said confession, not remorse, brings God's forgiveness and cleansing from all sin. Don't say you've repented if you haven't repented. Because repentance means you've, turned, you, you've acknowledged your wrong. You, you admit that what you've done, what you said, what happened was wrong, and you've asked the Lord for forgiveness, and you've confessed it before Him. God, I was wrong. Confession, not remorse, brings God's forgiveness and cleansing from all sin. Again, listen to these words. If we say that we have this, listen to John. Hey, he's talks down. You talk about the straight, straight talk express. John had the, the original straight talk express. He said, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. He's writing to the church. Woo! If we confess our sins, oh, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say, oh, listen to this now, He even adds a little caveat to that. He says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar. And His Word is not in us. So be careful when you say, I have never, I've never sinned, I've not sinned. Whoa, He's up now. Whew. Amen. Also, when the gone, when the person's gone, when, when the person's gone and the opportunity has passed, it's time for us to for renew our faith in the God of second chances. Oh, I'm glad for that. You see, He can do for you and I what He promised in His Word. I said, God can do for you and I what He has promised in His Word. Listen to this. Joel chapter 2, verses 25 and 26. And Joel was prophesying of this very day. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten, has eaten, the crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, and the chewing locusts, and my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dwelt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be put to shame. What a promise! 
What a promise for you and I. He will restore all the shortcomings and fallacies and failures if we'll let Him. If we'll let Him. Listen, my friends, believe His Word. He can place you where you would have been had you not made all the mistakes. That ought to make you want to get out and skip around a little bit. I said He'll place you where you would have been before you made all the mistakes if you let Him. It's time for asking God for a new dream than forgetting those things, those old sabotaged dreams. Those old sabotaged dreams which are behind and we need to reach forward to those new dreams, those things which are ahead. As the musicians make their way, please listen to me very carefully. We need to press forward to a life of restored opportunity and fulfillment. Oh, I'll be the first to stand here and tell you I have failed so many times. I have fallen short, not done what I would have liked to have done and what I felt God wanted me to do. And If only I would have. I can't go back and change the only's what if I would have. But I can speak to the here and now. As we stand together, I want you to listen to these words from the Apostle Paul. He says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words, Paul is saying, I've not yet arrived. I'm still working on it. How many will agree with me? We're still working on it. Amen. I've not arrived to perfection. Neither have any of you. And we will not until we are caught up with him and we have been changed. He said, brother, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, Paul said, here's my focus. Now, this man had some things to forget. There's no doubt many times in the middle of the night, he rolled out of his bed and fell on his knees before a merciful God and said, I thank you. He had in his portfolio a past, that no doubt. But he said, forgetting those things which are behind, I have to leave all of those things under the blood. But it destroyed him. He said, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. In other words, Paul committed right here to the, to, to the, to the bold truth that as diligently and aggressively as I pursued the church, 
He said, now just as aggressively and persistently, I'm going to pursue the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, he said, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. There were nights he laid beside and knelt beside his bed and he pressed his way through. He said, I know what I know. I know what I know what I've got and I know who I met on the road to Damascus and it will not be taken away from me. Friend, I know who I met one day. I know how he saved me and changed me and transformed my life and made me the individual I am today. Oh, we've all got our moments. But thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 